It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, it don't get much more inexcusable than that. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1323 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, January the 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show over there as well at Locked On Raptors. You can also follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite audio podcast apps. It's always appreciated when you do that. Plus, we're on YouTube. Go hit the big red subscribe button over there to support the show. As a reminder, February the 7th, I will be at the Raptors Republic pre-trade deadline podcast extravaganza at the Rivoli in Toronto, Queen Street West. It's going to be awesome. And, uh... I think pretty juicy ahead of the trade deadline for this here Raptors team, and you can win two tickets for free to be there in the flesh. All you got to do is send an email to LockdownRaptors at gmail.com, include a screenshot proving you subscribe to the Lockdown Raptors YouTube channel, and a note on who your favorite deep cut Raptor of all time is. If you do that, you'll be added to the draw. Please do it. I'll be taking names out of a hat and picking one to win next Tuesday on the show. All right, let's get to it. Today's show, which is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, they got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, on today's show, we are digging into the 130 to 122 loss for the Raptors in Milwaukee. Truthfully, I think the most embarrassing loss the Raptors have suffered all season long, easily the most inexcusable considering the context of it. You come in, there's no Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's no Chris Middleton right there. You should win that game. Those two guys are very important to this team that is pretty thin, has been struggling along, can't score at all. You take those guys out of the mix. That's a problem for Milwaukee that the Raptors should be able to exploit. Compounding that is Brooke Lopez, the backbone of this defense, maybe the defensive player of the year, uh, gets uh, ejected in this game by his own volition, totally deserved, with over six minutes to go, and yet the Raptors still cannot scrounge together enough logical, sensible offensive possessions to make it work, and they get burned by in part variance from three-point shooting on the other end, but it's not like they, uh, you know, closely contested a lot of the threes the Bucks put up in this game as they went on to go 19 of 39 from deep. A lot 
in this game, wide open threes for Grayson Allen and Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday, a mix of bad transition defense after really silly turnovers, which the Raptors committed. It seemed like quite a few of in this game, only nine turnovers overall, but it seemed really, really devastating every time they gave it away, especially those live ball turnovers. Uh, Third quarter was pretty bad for those. You have that. You have forgetting that Brooke Lopez, in fact, does shoot threes now and has for many years, and yet still leaving him alone in the pick and pop at the top of the arc to just bomb away three straight triples on you. Just really a whole lot of things going wrong for the Raptors in this one. And look, I try to be the optimist on this show. I really, really try to be the optimist on this show. Really hard to do that after a game like that. I try to sort of be the person who talks about patience and letting things germinate and take some time to grow and marinate and all of these things. And I still think there are some arguments for that, you know, just because this isn't a season where the Raptors are going to overachieve or even succeed in what their goals were doesn't mean it can't be a stepping stone to bigger things down the line. I still believe that, but my stance as the optimist, as the, hey, maybe there's not a need to do anything grand and sweeping right now, it takes a big hit when the Raptors go and poo themselves the way they did in this game against the Bucks, And... I truthfully don't even know where to start. There are just so many things that went wrong. I think for me, it's the late game offensive execution. Yeah, the defense let up a bazillion threes and a lot of them wide open. The Bucks were going to have to win this game by bombing a bunch of threes. And to their credit, they did that. They played the variance game and they won. The Raptors had themselves, I thought, for the most part, a pretty decent offensive night. But for some reason... Their worst offensive stretches came when Brooke Lopez was out of the game. It's like they were spooked by the availability of the lane. And to Fred Van Vliet's credit, he had, I think, nine points in like a couple minutes after Brooke Lopez went out. But after that, you have a broken Fred possession where he puts up a heavily contested rainbow three that comes up, you know, hit short rim after very little movement. You have... About 20 seconds of Scotty Barnes trying to set up an OG Ananobi post-up underneath. As he's standing right next to Fred Van Vliet, Fred's like, what's going on here? I don't know what the play is. And there's just that discombobulation, that lack of cohesion on offense that this team has had all season long. And I don't even know where you pin the blame there either, because... Scotty Barnes has been excellent, right? Like, you want the ball in his hands these days. He's been really, really good. He's been really decisive with his decision-making. That was a weird play. You know, obviously, I think he could have maybe pulled an audible there and not tried to force that OG post-up, which, by the way, led to, I think, an air ball by OG on a, on a, on a little turnaround shot. <laughs> Is this because the Raptors themselves just, like, don't know how to play offense? They, they don't really drill anything in. They don't have set schemes. There was that sweet moment last week against the Hornets and against the Blazers where it seemed like, oh, they're actually running sets and moving off ball with purpose and setting screens with an idea of what they're trying to get. That completely went away late in this game. And again, it's when Brooke Lopez was out of the game. When Brooke Lopez is out of the game, it should be an absolute parade to the basket And it just wasn't. On the other end, you get Drew Holiday going off. And look, credit to Drew Holiday, because Drew Holiday rules. And I will like that guy forever. He's always been one of my faves. 37, 6, and 7 for him. 5 of 10 from 3. And I think there were moments where they, you know, you stick OG on him, and that's a pretty decent idea. But they didn't do it long enough. They didn't do it nearly enough. And Drew Holiday just got loose time after time after time. Gary Trent Jr. didn't have an answer for him. He's just not strong enough. 
The Raptors, you know, as much as OG had his moments here and there, he also got bullied by Drew Holiday, as did Pascal Siakam underneath the basket for those patented Drew Holiday drive, get to literally underneath the bucket and then score because he's just really strong. Sort of like a souped up version of what Kyle Lowry used to do, frankly. Just a lot falling apart in this one for the Raptors. And, and if you're the kind of person who wants to see this thing blown to bits, once again, it's another good example of the reasons why that might be the case. And look, it's never as bad as it looks when they're at their worst. It's never as good as it looks when they're at their best. But at this point, they're 20 and 25. They can't string wins together. When they lose, it comes in the most embar- embarrassing fashion possible, it seems, as a rule. Like, that that Hawks game on the weekend was the kind of game where you go, man, that's the kind of game that gets people fired or gets people traded. And then they do it again two games later where you come out of that game thinking, man, that's the type of game that gets people fired and gets people traded. Clearly, there's none, there's something not working with this, with this mix. Uh, you know, the players on hand are talented. There's no doubt about that. There's a reason the whole league is lining up to trade for them. There are talented players on this roster. Very good ones. Scotty Barnes might be a damn superstar one day. Pascal Siakam's an All-NBA player. The fit's off, and it's weird, and it just doesn't seem like they can get anything going cohesion-wise for longer than a quarter at a time. And at some point, if you can't do that, you may just have to accept that it's not happening and maybe look to make moves. And that pains me to say, because I, A, don't like change. I like the players on the team. I like to sort of withstand the trials and tribulations and the ups and downs with guys. That's part of the fan experience, for me at least. I'm not here to tell how anyone else how to be a fan, but like that's a part of the enjoyment for me, is watching guys kind of go through ups and downs, eventually to be on the up again on the other side. But it just might be that with the deadline looming, with the vultures circling, with offers surely coming in, and with the evidence piling up that this group of players just doesn't quite work, there's something just missing and it's not just they need a center, like it, it's just like a flow and cohesion thing. I don't know how you establish that. What did we want all season long? For the Raptors to be healthy. They've been healthy for a good couple weeks now, and it hasn't mattered. And, you know, yes, they've won some games. They've stabilized a little bit. They're not the team that lost six games in a row in December. They're better than that. They're probably something close to a 500-ish team, but it's a pretty uninspiring 500-ish if that's what they're at. And... I don't blame you if you're on the side of you got to make big sweeping moves right now. I still think, you know, Scotty Barnes obviously ain't going anywhere. I don't think Pascal Siakam should be going anywhere. Although, holy hell, it would have been nice for him to not go 6 of 11 from the line tonight. Um, But, you know, that happens. He still had a pretty efficient game, all told. And, you know, the turnovers were a problem for sure. You can't get perfect Pascal Siakam every night, but this team needs that. And that, I, I think, speaks to the inherent issues at play here. I haven't even really, like, teed up the show. <laughs> um, we're just kind of going off the cuff here. Uh, I am going to... I don't have a whole lot else to break down from this game, truthfully, as far as, like, X's and O's. The, the Raptors' defense failed them once again. Uh, overly aggressive, not knowing what to do. The bench defense from Chris Boucher and Precious Achua when they came in was non-existent at the very beginning of the game. There were moments of Precious, which I'll get to coming up in the next segment, and the good, the bad, and the hmm, which I'm bumming up to segment two. Because segment three is going to be all about rumors, baby, because those were flying around hot and heavy just as I finished recording Tuesday morning's podcast. So we'll dig into the Jake Fisher and Shams Terrania reports coming up a little later on, too. Uh, And we've got the good, the bad, and the hmm coming up in just one second. But, man, you waste a 39.15 of 28 game from Fred. You waste Gary Trent Jr., 
having 28 points and really feeling himself that first half you know you come out the bucks go for 44 points and you say well that's not great but also that's not going to hold up right well it did and they couldn't find enough offensively 48 points in the second half against the bucks without Giannis and without Brooke Lopez for a quarter of that half uh just embarrassing man it's really embarrassing especially for me, someone who's tried to be on Team Optimism for a long time. It, it really gets hard to claim that perch. I'm still reasonably optimistic, I guess, but you know, it really saps you in a game like this. For sure. We're going to come back on the other side, get to the good, the bad, and the hmm. Before we do that, however, I got to tell you about our friends over at Rocket Money, the company formerly known as Truebill that is here to help you save money so you are not spending all sorts of money on subscriptions that you don't want to be paying for. I'm sure you all do this, right? You'll go, you'll sign up for something for a free trial for a month. Maybe you need to sign up for some sort of online service just for one instance, and then you forget to cancel it. And then every month you get that email saying, oh, you've been charged six bucks for this thing. You've been charged three bucks for this thing. And the six or three bucks is never all that noticeable, I suppose, if you're in a privileged position. And so you're like, ah, I don't know, I gotta worry about that. I'll figure it out before next month. And then you forget, and you forget, and you forget, and all of a sudden, three bucks, six bucks, nine bucks, 12 bucks, out the door, never to be seen again. Truebill is here to help you cancel those subscriptions. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about, like that streaming service you bought just to watch one show or that free trial you never even used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify the subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. They make canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Simply find the subscription you don't want, press cancel, and Bob's your uncle. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked in MBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked in MBA. Rocketmoney.com slash locked in MBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Moving up the good, the bad, and the hmm to the second segment because... I don't have the energy for three segments of breaking down this damn game. Frankly, uh, just <laughs> they should have won it. There's, there's no excuse for losing this game against the Bucks, who are thin as it is without probably their three best players or three of their four best players by the time it was all said and done. And even then, losing to the Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez Bucks, really? You're going to do that even if Brooke Lopez hadn't got ejected? Like, what are we doing here, man? The good, the bad, and the hmm. So for the good, I have one precious sequence highlighted from the first half. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of sequence that gets me out of my chair. My wife, the kind of sequence where my wife gets very concerned for my well-being. Uh, it was in the first half. Precious has himself uh, a drive into Brook Lopez's chest. He gets free throws out of it. That's great. Next time down the floor, or very soon after, he bombs in a three. It looked beautiful. The classic pressures at you over you. It's either an air ball or an absolute swish. It was the absolute swish in this situation. Beautiful. Then he has a defensive possession, which truly made me yelp in my chair, uh, where he has this recovery block on Pat Connaughton, who can get up. He can get up quick, and he can dunk. Precious slides over and completely obliterates him at the rim without fouling. 
Connaughton recovers it, and Precious stops two more attempts. Uh, and I think that's actually when he went down and hit the three afterwards. Just, like, amazing, amazing stuff from Precious Achua. Speaking to what a good player he is, how important he is, how much of a solution he can be for this Raptors team. A plus four for the Raptors in this one. Easily their best player off the bench. Boucher, pretty ineffectual. Juancho Hernan Gomez, pretty ineffectual. The fact that you only play eight guys again, troublesome for sure. Uh, don't love that trend as the Raptors continue to have to play all of their guys all the minutes just to stay in these games, which is, I suppose is pretty damning. Um, yeah, but Precious, I think, you know, deserves some plaudits. He was really good in this game, and, I, and I'm happy to give him some love. Maybe close with him a little more often, especially if you can't defend at all, uh, <laughs> which, boy, they could not. He was actually the guy I thought did the best job on Drew Holiday as well. Um, you know, he's very good guarding in space. He can guard literally anybody one through five. It's a rare thing. Precious Achua rocks. He's the good from this game. The bad, I mean, other than all of it, I'm going to say OG and Anobi in this one. Really weird. Um, two of 13, 0 of 4 from deep. Did not look comfortable. And I've... This might just be body language doctor stuff. This might just be me reading into something that I've noticed a couple times and thinking it's a trend when actually it's not. But last couple games with OG, it's almost felt like he's been like rushed or felt sort of some external pressure to shoot when the opportunity arises. There was a moment in the first half of this game where I think there were two possessions in pretty short order. He gets it swung to him on the wing. He's like pretty open, but not wide open. Gary Trent Jr. is one pass away very wide open, and OG puts the three up. Fine, that's cool. Guys got to get their shots. Gary had certainly his share of looks in this game, but I do think it kind of speaks a little to just, I mean, just thinking as a human being, as like how human nature works. On this team, when they're fully healthy, there are a lot of mouths to feed. We know this. We've talked about this. It's why I advocated yesterday for Precious Achua, maybe, to move into the starting five for Gary Trent Jr., just to sort of spread it out a little bit more have the high usage guy that Gary is Gary Trent Jr. come off the bench. You can stagger him and the other guys who are looking for their shots quite a bit just to have a bit more of a sort of dispersal between the guys who want to shoot the most on this team. There was another play a little later on too where, where OG kind of rushed. I think it was on a, a, you know, a drive to the bucket off a steal and he just kind of rushed it. There was an easy pass there for him to a guy who was open and he kind of forced it himself um, and it didn't go down. And I just wonder if maybe OG's feeling the pressure whenever the ball comes to him to just like, okay, well, this is my chance to get looks off. This is more of a hmm maybe than a bad, but I think it kind of speaks to the bad game he had overall. A couple games now where he's just kind of not been part of the offensive flow, and that's a problem. He's a good player. Do I think he's a good enough player to funnel a lot of stuff through? Not necessarily. Like, I would rather have... Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam, even Scotty Barnes, and in some cases, Gary Trent Jr. creating over him right now. As much as I think OG's an amazing player, as I kind of said coming into the season, I think it's fine for OG to be what he is. He doesn't have to be something more than he's not offensively. But if he wants to be something more offensively, the opportunity's not really there for him right now. And I just, you know, maybe this gets solved with a Gary Trent Jr. getting moved at the deadline or a Fred or whomever, but it's certainly a thing to keep an eye on as far as the, you know, the the, the pressure one feels when the opportunity is upon oneself to do the thing that you might not get a chance to do in a while. I mean, I, I feel this when I play basketball, just pick up, right? Like, I don't shoot a ton. When it does come to me and I'm wide open, I feel like I gotta put it up. It's usually gonna miss because I'm very bad, but I, I think it's sort of a human nature thing when the opportunities are sparse and they're few and far between. 
you want to capitalize on them when they appear. And I just think that's kind of added a little bit of a rushed element to some of OG's shots in the last couple of games here. Again, it's just a couple of games I've noticed this. Um, and ultimately, you know, they've had really good flourishes of the Raptors offense looking fantastic and OG burying his threes. And, you know, if he ends up hitting two of his threes in this one, you know, it doesn't look like such a bad game. But um, definitely a bit of a weird spell here for OG as I think, you know, it's always going to be a challenge with this orientation that they go with the small ball starting five that's one of the drawbacks right it's also one of the strengths of it specifically when like crunch time comes around the fact that anyone can be an an option at any time is awesome that that's why i think they've been so bloody good in crunch time for the most part over the last two years like that's a trend but over the course of a full game you know the reason that i think it can be a bit of a dodgy starting lineup is they are all all guys who kind of need to feel the ball a little bit to get into the action and if you get too late into the game before everyone's felt it because all the different guys on the team, you know, various guys are going on heaters. Fred's feeling himself. He's rightfully shooting. Same with Gary. Someone's going to be the odd man out. And OG's been that guy the last couple of games here. Um, you know, the defense is still really good, although not his best night tonight, I suppose. But um, it's uh, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. As far as the hmm, full-on big question mark at the end of this. Uh, and it just is, what the hell was Brooke Lopez doing on the possession where he got ejected? Um, that whole sequence was hilarious. Like, ripping... Uh, Gary Trent Jr.'s headband off, uh, Bobby Portis going from peacemaker to uh, maybe guy who's going to throw punches, Jamal McGlore coming in to do the thing the Raptors clearly just pay him to do, which is be bench enforcer who yells at guys. Um, you know, he does more than that, obviously, but uh, you know, <laughs> the, the quality shines through with Jamal McGlore in that specific role pretty routinely. Um, very bizarre play. I still don't know what the hell was in Brooke Lopez's head as he was retaliating to something like Gary Trent Jr. didn't do anything. They were just fighting for position. He's a 6'5 guy fighting with a 7'1 guy for position. Of course, he's going to have to be a little physical. And for Brooke Lopez just to like wrap himself around Gary, walk him off to the baseline, rip his headband off and push him into the stands. I have no idea what that was. Very warranted ejection, I think, there. Um, again, one the Raptors could not take advantage of. I also, a big shout out to Bill Kennedy, who uh, surmised the whole thing with like a perfect level of... He knows this is a, an absurd thing he's having to sum, surmise for people. Um, just the whole sort of the hostile act as he framed it. Um, that was some fun comedy before things really went off the rails. Uh, at a time, it seemed like this would be the turning point of the game. Ah, oh, Brooks out. Great. Things turn around. We all get to go back and laugh at it. Like we laugh at the Robin Lopez, Serge Ibaka scuffle in that big Raptors game where they beat the Bulls for the first time in like five years back in, what was it, 2017 or 2018. But uh, this one, not to be this time with a Lopez scuffle. Uh, those weird brothers, man. Very weird brothers. Anyway, that's my hmm. Again, more of a huh uh, this time around. And my hmm is kind of baked into my OG thing as well. Let's get to the final segment here. We're going to run through the news from earlier on today. The news, which is just rumors, uh, stuff flying around from various insiders. We got friend of the show Jake Fisher dropping stuff. We got Shams dropping stuff. We will get into it and sort of try to decipher what it all means to close out the show. People are going to want to trade people after this game. Maybe this segment will scratch that itch. We'll get to that in just one second here. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.net, your number one source for sports betting news, info, lines, stats, everything this 
season, they are the best place to go for all the info when you're wagering on football. The f- football playoffs are going on. You know, obviously, people are wagering on that stuff. You got the NBA. Maybe you're betting against the Raptors every night. A smart call. Uh, you've also got the NHL, MLB futures, WNBA futures, big trades going on in the WNBA right now. If you want to get in on the New York Liberty's odds to win the title after the John Quell Jones trade, now is your time. Bet Online is going to tell you why the why the lines and odds are set the way they are to give you the whole picture before you go in, making you the informed wager. They also have podcasts, full injury reports, everything you might need to make the bets that are going to cash out or have a better chance of cashing out. That is, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and where the segment starts here is uh, kind of rounding up the rumors of the day. Of course, as soon as I finished Tuesday's podcast, a whole bunch of stuff dropped from Shams Terania, Jake Fisher, uh, and rumors to parse, obviously, as is always the case, take every rumor you see this time of year with a grain of salt. It's probably not coming from inside the house with the Raptors, because that's just not how they roll. They don't leak very often. But of course, other teams are going to leak if they've had conversations. They have reasons to leak these things, of course. There is an agenda behind every single thing that gets leaked to an insider. Never, ever forget that. Yet still, some stuff that came out today. Jake Fisher reporting that Gary Trent Jr., um, you know, kind of probably going to be in the range of $25 million or so is what he's going to be looking for in the offseason. Uh, the idea thrown out potentially of another version of the norm for Gary Trent Jr. trade from a couple years ago of Gary Trent Jr. for another younger player hitting RFA, who you have a little more control on, you can pay. And that player that was thrown out was Charlotte's Jalen McDaniels, uh, an interesting name to throw out, a guy who is uh, six foot nine and long, just the Raptors' cup of tea, although he is a pretty decent three-point shooter this season. Um, I Let me just pull up to be 100% certain. I'm pretty sure he's at 39% this season. Uh, either way, he's pretty solid. Uh, 36% this season. That is 36% for his career as well. And... Yeah, I mean, you, you could talk me to Jalen McDaniels for sure. He would be able to play the Raptors' system defensively, you would think, with his length and the, the amount of ground he can cover. Um, for me, feels like a little surplus to requirements to go get more 6'9 guys when your issue right now is you don't have enough guard play. And I think, for example, Gary Trent Jr., what we saw from him in the Bucks game, he was one of the better Raptors, 28 on 10 of 19, 4 of 9 shooting. That is the type of thing that he's capable of. And that's the type of thing you need more than whatever Jalen McDaniels can provide you. So truthfully in that situation, for as far as that rumor goes, I'd be more, I think inclined to just pay Gary Tread Jr. What he's going to ask for. If he wants to stay, obviously that's a conversation who knows where the front office is at. I'm sure they have had conversations and know way better what their odds are of keeping all their pending free agents, or I guess Fred and Gary in these situations right now. Um, but I would rather just pay Gary Trent Jr. 25 mil than pay the sort of reported 10 million ish or so that Jalen McDaniels might com- command on his next deal. Um, cause Gary Trent Jr. Is a guy who does things the Raptors don't have. And that 25 million, I know that seems like a lot of money, but the cap is going up. Gambling money is on the way. 
new TV deal on the way. There, that, that deal is not going to be all that crazy. There's sticker shock right now, but that's going to look like a run-of-the-mill mid-size contract in a couple of years. And I think you're totally fine paying that to Gary Trent Jr. if you're the Raptors. And you can figure it out later. That's going to be an eminently movable contract. $25 bucks. that's going to be right in the sweet spot of deals that are movable. And he has a skill that is never going out of style in the NBA, which is buckets and three-point shooting. And so I think that's going to be a movable deal. In that instance, I think I'd hold off. But I could be talking to another deal of, of a similar ilk for Gary Trent Jr., of some other return of a younger guy, maybe close to RFA, who you want to bring in to sort of nurture along, um, sort of reset the timeline a little bit um, with Gary Trent Jr. hitting UFA right now. But um, that one doesn't do a whole lot for me. A couple other rumors as well. Uh, OG Ananobi thrown out uh, in the Shams piece as well. Not the Jake Fisher piece. I'm definitely going to confuse the two. I apologize to both Shams and Jake for mixing the two up here. But uh, I believe this one, Jake Fisher also detailing that OG Ananobi is only going to even, you know, the the idea of him getting moved is only going to be entertained if the Raptors get knocked on their feet. Off their feet, that is, by an offer. Um, the thing that was thrown out was DeJounte Murray, uh, the sort of return that the Hawks were able to, or sent out for uh, DeJounte Murray to the Spurs in the offseason, which was three first-round picks. Um, I believe two of them unprotected. You know, that's a very big haul. OG might be that good a player that some team out there that's an OG away from being a contender in their eyes, maybe they make the move. I was actually on Locked on Kings today with our pal Matt George and talked about the concept of a Keegan Murray, Davion Mitchell, and, you know, maybe another pick or two deal for OG Ananobi. And Matt George... Thought long and hard about it, then there might be something there. OG on the Kings would be awesome. You have to get a lot, though. Keegan Murray, obviously, very highly touted prospect, looked great in Summer League, an amazing shooter, one of the best rookie shooters we've literally ever seen in the NBA. Doesn't do a ton else yet, but also he's a rookie, and that's okay. Um, You know, in theory, a pretty good fit on what the Raptors are trying to do and would certainly juice the offense a little bit with his shooting. You know, that's the type of thing where it's going to have to be a big deal with meaningful players coming back or a whole lot of picks. And I don't know right now where I stand. You know, I think had you asked me a month ago, I would have said, oh, gee, no way. But, you know, just kind of going back to the last segment, maybe there's just something off with the fit. Maybe the move here is you move OG Get as big a return as you can because he will clearly get you the biggest return between him, Fred, and Gary Trent Jr. right now based on the contract situations and just quality of player, the commodity. That's a weird way to say it. Just the high demand for OG's specific skill set, not to commodify NBA players because they're humans. Uh, Apologies for that strange wording. Either way, um, you know, I I think maybe that that is the way the Raptors got to look at this here. If they can get a massive haul for OG, maybe that helps you kind of restabilize the roster around Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, who I still think are the two guys you go forward with here at the very least. OG, I certainly throw into that conversation as well as the third guy, but um, if some team comes and blows you away, you know, there's plenty of teams out there that could match. We'll probably do a podcast examining potential OG matches later on in the season uh, or towards the deadline. Um, You know, there's a few really interesting ones out there. The Sixers have a couple of potential trades. Tyrese Maxey? just an idea um, would certainly help address the Raptors issues with guard play um, and scoring and all that. Uh, that's just an idea. The Pelicans could be a team. The Grizzlies could be a team. There's all sorts of teams that could use an OG and could be an OG away from being the title favorites. Um, so maybe you get a bidding war going. I don't know, but that big haul, if that is out there, 
this might be the time for it with it being a seemingly wide open title race with a lot of teams that might be able to talk themselves into giving up a lot. And a couple of those teams, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, for example, with all sorts of surplus picks to dangle as well. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm intrigued at least a little bit by the idea. And I think the perfect storm for getting that offer that blows you away and makes you have to pull the trigger on an OG trade. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's out there before the deadline. It's a hard trade to pull off midseason, but still. The other thing there, uh, other couple things from the Shams pieces and from uh, Jake Fisher, again, totally messing up where it came from each, but it's all good. Uh, We love Jake Fisher here. Shams, you know how I feel. Uh, (laughs) Shams did report that Jakob Pertl continues to be one of the apples of the Raptors' eye. I don't really know how much I'm in on this Jakob Pertl thing anymore. He is a, a pending free agent. When the Raptors were in the spot where it looked like they might actually be worth a damn this season... I thought Jakoperto would have been a great addition as sort of a stopgap to get you through this season as Christian Coloco figures himself out. I think Coloco is going to be a good rotation player down the line, maybe as early as next season, but he's not ready just yet to do it every single night, clearly. And having a Jakoperto who you know you don't have to pay beyond this season is going to you know come in, be awesome for you, go get money and get paid somewhere else. I thought that was a pretty good idea. For now, though, like what what is trading Yaka for Yakapurdo going to do right now? The the price is going to be high. Lots of teams want him. It's going to cost you at least one first round pick, if not two. And are you really paying Yakapurdo, a center who can't shoot free throws, over the next four years? I love Yakapurdo. I've said it on this show. He's like my favorite Raptor of all time to talk to in the locker room after games because he'll actually dive into the X's and O's with you and have a you know very sort of good above board conversation. But I don't know if the fit is all that right for a guy who can't shoot free throws, who would cramp the spacing, who is not a three-point shooter. As much as he does a lot of really good things, you're going to have to pay that dude starter money, and I don't know if you want to do that. I would rather do that for Gary Tread Jr., for example, because of the three-point shooting and that being a massive need on this roster. Bojan Bogdanovic, also a guy thrown out there, too. I like Bojan. He's got a, you know, a year beyond this one as well, as he extended with the Pistons before the year. Um, you know, I, I could certainly get on board with Bojan Bogdanovic on the Raptors. I think I've advocated for that at various times this season. But again, the cost seems like it's going to be a lot. And at this point, when you're 20 and 25, unless you're you know, throwing out picks that are in, in the sort of far-off future... I don't really see that either. Um, it, it's a tough sell for me. The the other uh, thing that came up was Fred Van Vliet and his potential free agent destinations. Um, again, I, I don't want to get this one wrong. I'm pretty sure that one came from Shams. Um, but I'm just going to, as we check here, I want to double check because, uh, yeah, it's Shams that reported this one out, that the Magic and the Suns are two potential landing spots for Fred in free agency, or at least two potential suitors for Fred in free agency. Neither of those really passed the smell test to me, honestly. Like, the Suns just paid DeAndre Ayton uh, and Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. They have Chris Paul still on the books, and they obviously have Devin Booker making a max. Like, they're not going to have the cap space to go sign Fred Van Vliet. Maybe, maybe there's like a sign-and-trade situation with Fred and DeAndre Ayton in the summer, maybe even before the deadline. I don't know, like, if there's a... It obviously wouldn't be a sign-and-trade, but maybe the, the Suns acquire Fred with the idea of paying him and keeping him around with his bird rights, the way the Raptors have done with guys like Serge Ibaka in the past. That's possible. 
I it's just it's hard to sort of see where the Raptors figure into that. You know, maybe Aiton's the guy they want. You know, they, they were rumored to cover him in the offseason. I still think he'd be a good fit on the Raptors for sure. Um, but I think you got to maybe get even bigger there because Chris Paul is sort of the, the elephant in the room. And look, the Suns aren't going anywhere this season either. They're in the same spot as the Raptors, below 500, out of the, out of the play-in right now. I could totally see there being some big changes in Phoenix before the deadline. If you want to get real weird... I'll get, why not? I'll get real weird, real weird right now. I can't speak words. Um, but to get real weird, you can put together a deal, a very strange deal. This deal, let's see here. I've, I've pulled it up. Fred Van Vliet, Chris Boucher, Gary Trent Jr., and, you know, Delano Banton, Precious Achua, any of the smaller contracts in the Raptors, whatever it takes to get it done, in exchange for Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. It's a very stupid trade. It's as unhinged as I've ever gotten in the trade machine. But, like, there's maybe some logic to it. The Suns get off Chris Paul. The Raptors get Chris Paul to be their sort of stopgap point guard next season. Um, you know, can't hurt to have Chris Paul playing with your younger players. He seems to have a pretty good effect on young players. As, you know, as much as he yells at them, he's also been pretty influential on a lot of young players' careers in recent years. Shea Gildas Alexander, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, etc. Um, and then you get DeAndre Ayton on the team as well. You have him for four years. You know, you might have to send a first the Suns way just to make this work because you're giving up two guys who are the two marquee guys going the other way who are pending free agents, but maybe there's something there. I don't know. Again, this is just kind of spitballing. With the situation around the, uh, around the magic, I mean, that one just seems weird to me. Why would they go get a 29-year-old point guard who might be on the downturn Although, maybe not. <laughs> After tonight's game, 39 points, he looked amazing. Um, but you know, why would you go do that if you're the Magic? You have Markel Fultz, you have Cole Anthony, you have Jalen Suggs. Seems like a bit of a weird pivot. Maybe you just want an adult in the room. I am a believer that not everybody has to be the same age on a basketball team, in fact. And having someone who's been there maybe is not the worst thing to have around young players. It just feels like a big expenditure for a team that's about to get very expensive in the coming years with guys who are going to be up for deals. You know, Franz Wagner is a couple years away. Uh, Cole Anthony, I think, is due this summer. Um, you know, there will be guys who want to get paid there. Wendell Carter uh, is around and probably in line for a raise at some point soon here. Um, I'm not sure exactly what his contract situation is, but he's good as hell. Uh, and so I just, yeah, I, I don't see that one really coming to fruition either. I don't really see a trade to sort of get Fred in, in Orlando before the deadline either. That really makes a ton of sense. Um, unless they're really willing to give up a couple firsts. I don't know. But um, that's just sort of my read on those rumors as they, uh, you know, were the talk du jour today. I think the, honestly, the one that gets me the sort of most interested is the idea of there being a bidding war for OG. And if that comes to pass, man, it would be a big move. It would be a really big move, one that I might not even agree with. But, um, and I still maintain that if you trade OG, there's a very real chance you're let, for 20 years, you're going, man, I can't believe you traded away OG Ananobi. It's exactly the kind of player every team needs, but he may never have higher value. And it might be the time to strike while the iron's hot. If the offers are going to come pouring in for a guy who might put a team over the top for a title. That's sort of my bigger takeaway on the rumors from today. None of the rumors really mean anything. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's just the, the way it goes with rumors, but anyway, we're going to round it up there. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. We'll be back again on Thursday with the wonderful Miguel Rivas from the Beaverton in Pretty Hard Cases on CBC. Awesome guest. Could be making his debut on the show. Also, programming note, I'll be away for the weekend, and I'm not doing a podcast on Friday to break down the inevitably very embarrassing loss to the Gobert and Towns-less Wolves, maybe even the Anthony Edwards-less Wolves. 
maybe they can one-up themselves <laughs> with in the embarrassment department with a game, a loss against the Wolves on Thursday. I will not be breaking that down, though. We'll be back again Thursday and then Monday, so uh, you have that to look forward to. But either way, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you Thursday. In the meantime, go listen to Locked On Leafs, as there was a wild Leafs game tonight between the Leafs and Panthers. Go check out the recap of that with Mike DiStefano and Dave Mortisuti. That'll be on your feeds and audio and on video on Wednesday as well. So go check that out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great one. And uh, just trying to throw this loss in the garbage. Never thinking about it again. Yeah, repressed memory. Yes, that sounds good to me. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.